Hello dear friends, I'm just doing a little introduction before this episode to let you know I am going to be going on a tea break after this episode for about two months just to give myself the time to catch up with my episode schedule and I'm thinking maybe a little cheeky rebrand that's you know not the name but sort of the image of it and things like that if you follow me on Instagram so yes just a heads up if you do want to keep up to date with what I'm going on in the meantime do give me a follow on Instagram at at pod of tea and you can see what I'm up to because I'll still be posting some day-to-days on there but yes so you're in the know little tea break i will be aiming to be back in july with a new series of a pod of tea but i'm going to leave you with this episode where i've interviewed a wonderful tea vendor called rainy and it is just yeah it's a great episode i learned a lot so do forgive me do you forgive my ignorance as you know i am on a tea adventure and it's moments like this that i just think the reason why i need to be doing this so i can learn more so it's fab i hope you enjoy it and i'll probably do a little outro as well so enjoy Welcome to a Pod of Tea podcast, your go-to place for teas and chats. I'm your host, Emma, and I'm joined by a special guest today. I'm joined by a genuine tea vendor. Her name is Rainy, and she's agreed to come on today. Thank you so much. Hi, Rainy. Hi, Emma. Thank you for having me on your podcast program. It's awesome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you on here. I have a lot of questions about what you do, but first, could you let everyone know where you are in the world right now? So um, just yesterday, I traveled from Thailand to Cambodia, uh, mostly because we were in Thailand for about three weeks for scouting tea. And then after that, my Thai well, traveling visa expired. And so we're taking a little break to in Cambodia. And what we're going to do here is trying to maybe find some Cambodian tea. However, I don't know if they're available or if they are any good because I do have a pretty high high standard in terms of uh, tea sourcing. So we'll see about that. But the plan is after Cambodia, we will go back to Thailand, hopefully. And I will go visit Oolong Tea Production. Also because before in Thailand, there was the Sokram uh, Festival, which is the Thai New Year. And a lot of farmers were taking a break and they're going to restart sort of like a second wave of tea harvesting after the Sokram Festival. And so right now is the perfect time for us to take a little break in Cambodia and then go back for more tea sourcing, tea tasting, and uh, hopefully the documentation of tea production. Amazing. This is good. So there's there's an actual like holiday in tea sourcing, in tea farming that you can all have a little breather, which is good because you've been traveling all over, like all over Thailand. How wonderful. Yeah. And we are sitting and having a cup of tea together today. Can I ask what tea you've got? Yes. Um, so as I mentioned before, um, we were in Thailand for three weeks and of course we were there scouting teas and I found some amazing Thai raw pour teas from old bushes and so here I have raw pour tea from 2016 from the Wawi village in Thailand like northern Thailand somewhere between Chiang Mai and Chiang Rai. I am really excited about this one I'm thinking about bringing it to the market but yeah we'll see. <laughs> so this is a forgive me with my pronunciation 
pronunciation a pura a, a poor 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 tea yeah, from yes. thailand yes um, and what what is i've never had a poor tea before could you explain so is that where it's from like how a darjeeling's called darjeeling because it's from there or is it a way that it's cultivated and and harvested and things that it gets this name Yes, that's a great question. Um, so actually, poor tea trees are uh, spread out in uh, from anywhere from Yunnan province in China, all the way down to uh, Laos, uh, Myanmar, as well as Thailand, also Vietnam a little bit by the border, because there's this northern part of Vietnam that's borders with Yunnan province. But poor tea in general started from China, like the Yunnan province, and they are a little different from the small bushes, like the tea tea bushes. In general, there are two types of tea trees. One is called Camellia sinensis, and then the other one is the Camellium uh, Camellium assamica. So the main difference that you need to remember is that the Camellia sinensis are usually the small bushes, versus the assamica are the big trees. So they're they're really they look like a tree. They can be up to two, three, four, five meters tall, depending on age. And most of the assamica tea trees produce this particular type of tea called poor tea. And so something that's really interesting is that when we when we're in Wawi village for the poor tea, the local indigenous people call this tea, traditionally speaking, Assam tea, which sounds very similar to the Assam tea from India. So that got me confused for uh, for a couple of days, actually. <laughs> and then eventually we realized, oh, that's the poor tea, as we call it in China. And because the area where we were in had it is occupied mostly by Chinese immigrants, and um, now they are the second generation and third generation Chinese descendants. Originally, the families are from Yunnan province, and then they have a long history of producing poor tea. And so, the Chinese immigrants they took when they took refugee in uh, Wawi some like 60, 70 years ago, they brought the tea culture or say this tea tradition of uh, making poor tea into northern Thailand area and then they gradually they start to become a little more famous and I believe in the last 20 years or so there have been a lot of Chinese tea companies from Yunnan province going to uh, northern Thailand to buy the raw poor uh, tea leaves or like have them produce over there and then bring them back to Yunnan to sell them and so now the name poor tea is becoming more and more popular and well known in Thailand however traditionally as I mentioned before they're actually called Assam tea. <laughs> That's so funny. I was watching, so Rainy is on Instagram and you've been doing video stories of your travels, which have just been wonderful to watch. It's You can look at them and go, oh, I feel like I'm there. And I heard you say Assam and I was like, what? They have Assam tea there? So I did the same, the same thought process. So the teas in Thailand have come from China and I had no idea that there was a tea bush and a tea tree that were different this is so rainy to explain i am on what i call a tea adventure <laughs> where <laughs> i used to just enjoy what i thought was just a cup of tea and then i've learned more and more as i go and this is just fascinating for me right now to be able to talk to you because there's so much i don't know about tea and it's just absolutely wonderful to hear your knowledge so thank you for sharing oh. that with me so you are now drinking a, a tea from Thailand so I never really thought of Thailand when I thought of tea 
it, it didn't it didn't come to it didn't come to my mind so this is so if I was to try a tea mm. from Thailand you would recommend a pura tea yes um that's a really good point and good observation that you have just made because it's exactly like what you said people don't really think about Thailand when they think about tea the market is still largely dominated by Chinese teas Indian teas or oolong teas from Taiwan Japan Korea and etc so something that's really interesting about Thailand is that it always had tea it's just that we never really know or they never really made themselves well known internationally speaking in terms of like getting into the tea market so I would say like if you want to try some teas from Thailand you can either go for a poor tea from northern Thailand however just kind of be careful with who you're buying it from um, mostly because some of the farmers they are still in the process of uh, learning how to produce this tea so even though the tea trees have been there for hundreds and hundreds of years and and they didn't and i have to correct one thing they did they weren't brought to thailand by the chinese they actually have been in the area because in ancient time there weren't any the borders were less defined ah. it's and and so they are actually wild tea trees and they form these wild poor tea tree forest sort of demographic in the area it's really amazing however there were so many of them and when the Aka people so the local indigenous people were living there they needed more land for agricultural cultivation so in the past they actually have cut down so many tea trees (laughs) (laughs) and until about 67 70 years ago, until the Chinese came along, they didn't really understand the importance of protecting these ancient trees, right, and not to mention they're wild, so to them it's just like, oops, there's another one that's occupying my avocado field, let me cut it down. Oh my gosh. Oh, right. and it does not take, it is not a short amount of time to grow a tree. <laughs> That's years and years of, oh my goodness. Exactly, exactly. And another funny thing, well, of course, kind of sad thing that I saw over there is that if a farmer has a tea plantation of old bushes and if he hires some, let's say, Aka people to harvest as tea pickers to pick the leaves for them, and if this farmer doesn't supervise them, well enough what Aka people tend to do is they will chop down the big branches of this maybe 500 year old tree to make the tree shorter so they don't have to climb up the tree to pick the leaves For example, I went to this one tea plantation that like all the tea trees are now just kind of like the bottom part, the, the, the big chunk at the bottom with tree branches that are obviously cut down by, by people. And wow. and there to be, you know, maybe seven, eight meters tall. And now it's just like a little bush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a That's little... so sad. Oh, no. But they're, they're making a comeback, you know, tea trees. Yeah a lot of resilience and so maybe in let's say in 10 years and there's still old bushes in the end because in the end they didn't remove the roots thing you know luckily fortunately so I'm sure they will come back <laughs> yes absolutely and I can see why they would do it I mean it makes logical sense if I need the leaves I'll bring the leaves closer to me um, mm-hmm. how does this affect do you know how that then affects the tea the difference between taking the leaves from a tea that has been chopped down as opposed to one if you were taking them from the canopy high 
sky above. I think I think it's a matter of protecting the tea trees rather yes. than tasting point of view. Yes. Um, because it actually takes quite a long time for a tea tree to grow that big and and tall, mm-hmm. and develop so many branches. And and I I guess another thing I, I'm guessing this, but what I would speculate is that it probably affects the production yield, right? Yes. Because because imagine a big tea tree, how much tea leaves that can grow on that tree and how much tea can be produced from those tea leaves. And now we're looking at a small bush that's being cut down to the very bottom, basically. And there are just, you know, a few little branches grow, growing out with, <laughs> with a few hundred leaves <laughs> compared to before. It's like a big tree probably yes. producing over thousands of leaves. All those poor so farmers. I, I, oh, no. Right. <laughs> well, this is so you were saying like quite a few of the farmers are, are relatively new to realizing what they have on their land then with the with the leaves and stuff like that. So this is where someone like yourself would come in who can go around and you've got the knowledge then to know what is the right way to be picking the leaves, which is the good quality tea. So as a tea vendor, would you say that's your what would you say is your role in the the process of tea? I think is what I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that question. No, that's that's a wonderful question. I think as a tea tea vendor, I see myself sourcing teas in the most ethical way. That's really mm-hmm. important to me, personally speaking. And what I mean by ethical way is that every year, because I, I tend to do these tea travels every year, it's really, again, it's really important to me because for several reasons. For one, when I go out there and meet tea farmers, it's a process of building relationship with them, both for me to understand what kind of uh, practice that they do as tea farmers, how they take care of their tea trees, how experienced are they in terms of tea processing. And on the other hand, it's also giving the tea farmers a a chance to observe me as well as a tea vendor to understand what kind of business that I do and what kind of teas that I'm looking for. So it's a very important process to build the sort of building a, a, a trustful relationship, both for me and for the farmers. Then the second thing is when I go out there I can sample the teas directly from that year to understand the difference maybe like from the previous year or maybe understand the difference between uh, from the tea samples that they previously sent to me versus the teas that I'm drinking that they're giving me I'm drinking directly right there and because something that people need to understand is that tea is an agricultural product it tends to change a little bit every every production or like every batch or every season it changes very easily it could be due to the weather it could be due to the soil condition so on and so forth so I think for some tea vendors they might not have the opportunity to travel and just go to the tea farms themselves and I can for that I consider myself to be very fortunate and very lucky that I get to do that but I do tend to think this is totally my personal opinion Uh, when tea vendors go out there they understand tea better they learn from tea farmers 
themselves and they can bring better tea knowledge to the tea drinkers as well like later on so i i would say it, it's a very yeah it's a very important thing very crucial yeah absolutely everything you've said there is what i would want and desire from when i'm buying a tea from somewhere especially at the point where i'm getting now where i am a lot more curious about the different types and the the sort of the, the finer differences between all the different teas and also making sure those relationships along the way of the tea getting to my teapot <laughs> have been <laughs> positive ones and good ones that's very valuable what you're what you're saying there so the relationships with the farmers so I will I would like to touch upon Rainy if it's okay with you something the, the reason I sort of came to see you on Instagram was because someone I follow posted a video that you released recently explaining I'm going to call it the challenges but it might not be the right word the challenges that you can face as a tea vendor building it relationship from what I've seen you've got a lot of very good positive relationships with other tea vendors as well but some of those can also be a bit negative would you mind me asking you about that mostly because I think a lot of us when we're buying products we're very hopeful that we're buying something that is ethical something that has had a positive and sustainable experience along the entire way to when it gets to us so I think I could talk to you about that that would be wonderful yes absolutely I am actually glad that you asked and thank you for tuning in on Instagram for my story also for my life when I when I try to share the story shared what happened to me in in Thailand this potential conflict with well not potential this very direct conflict with another tea company and I mean if you want we can talk a little bit more you know we can we can dive into it a little more and I can share more details with you but of course for my personal safety's protection as well as my business protection I will very much not dropped the other company's name publicly instead of we're just using an alias here also because after my life I have been contacted by multiple companies as well as individuals who have actually had very similar experience with the exact same company which made me quite shocked because I thought I was an isolated case and there also have been like what you said I've been trying to you know I have always tried to form a positive relationship both with tea vendors as well tea farmers and of course our beloved tea drinkers out there and out of their kindness you know the tea drinkers and other tea vendors kindness they try to warn me to drop the whole thing drop the whole matter and not to talk about it anymore because from what they have known and what they have gathered this tea company is also famous for threatening other tea vendors or ex-employees with lawsuits because because in the US, we have the culture of suing everybody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am um, so I live in the UK and I've got to say it's quite a different kettle of fish here <laughs> it doesn't really? I think people aren't as quick to do that I mean maybe that's just my life mm-hmm. experience someone else might say differently but I have noticed because I have friends who have moved to who have moved abroad who have moved to America to Canada to different places and from what they've mm-hmm. said I'm like wow people are very quick <laughs> to get a lawyer involved 
and you know where actually like a conversation and a bit of I don't know empathy could probably go a lot further if you're happy to Amy I'd love to delve into that topic a bit more mostly because like I said it is important that you are able to be honest and you can talk about these things because that's the only way people are going to make an informed decision on what they're buying because at the end of the day I think a lot of people would want to do that I will say so when I watched your video I did giggle a little bit because the alias you chose (laughs) to hide the other tea company which I'm more than happy for you to do was Jack and dear listeners if you listen to the episode a lot you will know that Jack is the name of my husband (laughs) who has been in here quite a bit so we are going to so if you do after listening to this if you would like to I will put Rainey's links in the description of the podcast episode if you'd like to go back and you go on her Instagram and watch her video do know that that Jack is not my Jack Um, (laughs) and the person who we are going to talk about now and I believe you you suggested John Rainey we could use yep so we're going to call this person John (laughs) instead of Jack in this instance just to avoid confusion that would be so funny that would be so funny imagine people go back to your podcast and be like who's behind <laughs> we found him, the terrible rogue. <laughs> to become quite famous after that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Probably completely none the wiser himself, wandering around, not realizing he's now notorious right. in the tea community. Is awesome. <laughs> to delve to delve into it. So you mm. went to a farm to see them to see if they could be a potential supplier for your business. Right, right. So how they started was um exactly like what you said. I found these farmers through a friend when I was in Europe because this friend sent me some teas um, from these farmers and I really I quite enjoy them then this friend also sent me their contact so I basically I emailed them I told them who I am when they found out that I'm Chinese they provided their WeChat contact because WeChat is really popular for you know like Chinese to use and so I started chatting with them on WeChat just trying to understand you know where their location is and if there's any chance for me to go visit their farm and potentially source tea from them and so everything went really well then I got to Thailand then I went to their village which is called Wawi and like I mentioned before it's between Chiang Mai and Chiang Rai then I stayed basically with them for two days we went out to their tea plantations uh, sampled their teas talked a lot of different things revolving around teas and they showed me their production I also did two Instagram lives when I was there one was when I was out there in the tea plantation just showing other people like my audiences their tea trees the second life took place during the tea production in their production facility so that all happened on the very first day after our arrival then on the second day we started talking about what teas that I would be potentially interested in sourcing so we were kind of getting into the business stuff then on the third day in the morning when we're trying to put a conclusion onto the sourcing decisions the wife of the farmer said to me in the morning both her and her husband looked kind of distressed and anxious that morning so right away I sensed something was not quite right and so when we were sitting down and started diving into the business talk the wife said to me Rainy I am so sorry but do you know this company that's based in the US and this is the owner and I was like yes of course you know they they have been around for 20 years in more or less in the US and they're, they're quite famous, quite big. The wife said, Rainy, I'm so sorry, but this person, this company bought this much tea 
from us last year. And they made us promise not to sell poor tea and this particular black tea that they produce called sun-dry black tea to tea vendors that are based in the U.S. To me, that was strange. I understand exclusivity aspects. And so I asked them, I said to them, my business is registered in the U.S., but my company is actually based in China because we, right, we sell teas, we, we ship to, we ship internationally from China. And then she said, but of course, you know, we also, sh- we also sell to the U.S. And then she said, no, it doesn't work like that because you, also because you, you sell to the U.S. And so basically she's saying that it doesn't matter if you, you are a company or a tea vendor based in the U.S. or based in Singapore or registered in the U.S. or registered in Hong Kong, for example, as long, doesn't matter where you are, as long as you sell teas to the U.S., you cannot buy poor tea or sun-dried black tea from this farmer because of their verbal agreement. And note here, there's no contract. There's no written contract. And because of this verbal agreement, you cannot buy from them. And so to me, at that moment, that was pretty ridiculous. So I, I tried to tell them, I tried to persuade them that I didn't believe it was legal. And um, I, I tried to explain to them that if there's no contract written, there, there's no much legal power here binding their their agreement. Um, however, she, the wife seemed really anxious. And so I asked her, how did they know? How did this company and John you know, know about my location? And she said, because he saw me. And to me, that was very strange because I have no memory of following my, I don't follow this company on Instagram. And I certainly don't follow John on Instagram. So I went on, I went to my Instagram followers and there you go, I found him. And so I asked the wife if John was simply upset or if he was angry. Because you have to understand the wife is one of the two people in this tea family that speaks English. And it's not like her English is, is the best to communicate with. And um, so when we speak with them, we, we talk, we try to talk as slowly as possible and use simpler words to, to make her understand. And so she said he was angry. She used a very specific word, angry. And that's how I understood where their distress comes from. And also she told me that John contacted them at midnight, around midnight, like 12, 12, 30-ish. Her and her husband stay up to about 4 a.m. discussing with each other what to do about the situation because they felt really bad towards me. And of course, as a tea vendor here, I perfectly understand your position because John by now is their biggest buyer from, let's say, Western countries and especially from North America. So I understand their anxiety of losing this very big customer as well. However, I think, this is my personal opinion, I think if they keep this relationship or this verbal agreement with John, I think they will lose a lot of opportunities with other Western vendors, especially the ones from America. Because after all, I believe one of the biggest Western tea markets is actually the US. For example, I would never say you should go to Italy and try to sell tea. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it sounds 
sounds like there's two things at play here really there's business and there's also just human compassion so from a business standpoint they're being cut off from a huge market financially they're getting a lot of income from John's company which they obviously want to keep but also because of a verbal contract so not one that's been legally written down not one that I presume they then have been appropriately I mean this is an assumption but you would hope you would get financial compensation if you are then becoming exclusive so all those things are now quite grey but then equally they're very nervous and like from a compassionate level they're feeling stressed about something that should on one hand be business and be very clear and black and white and sorted for them and not something they should be stressing about and worrying about someone who's angry you're making some good points absolutely and I think they don't exactly realize that they're being taken advantage of and it's like what you said there there are two angles right that we're looking at this um, story here one angle is that of course from I, I think from the business standpoint this is a business strategy of John's company and which I perfectly understand but from another point of view another angle is is like what you said there's the compassion there but also to me there's the ethical there's the ethical yes. practice I was talking about earlier I don't think as a, as a tea company that advertises or markets themselves as somebody that goes out there every year building positive positive, thriving, long-term relationship with farmers, then behind the scene, this is what they do. They basically directly prevented me from buying from these farmers and directly causes stress on them. Also because another little episode is that when the wife broke this news to me, I told her not to worry about it and just tell John that I will not be buying poor or some dry black tea. Instead, I will be buying white teas from her and so she went back and she told John about this then she came back and told me that as soon as John learned about my interest in white tea he told the farmers not to sell me any white tea either even though that was outside their verbal agreement and so that's the part that shocked me to you know an extra level because I understand if I you want to keep your verbal agreement but this is why I'm trying to work around a different angle mm-hmm. I'm trying to work with you you. I'm trying to negotiate with you. I'm trying to make everybody happy. I'm, I'm also trying to give the farmers some business after they spent two days and showed me enormous hospitality and just enormous kindness and hospitality towards me. I wanted to give something back. Yes. And the work go in vain or for nothing. However, because of John's direct inter, let's say intervention, quote unquote, they were not able to sell me anything in the end. And I had to walk away with this obviously great pity. I mean, for me as a vendor, that was that was okay. It cost me a lot of inconvenience because it was a last minute change. I went there specifically for meeting these farmers. And of course, we were kind of like keeping an eye out for other potential farmers to work with. But once we got to know the family, we really liked them. And it's not my style of doing business, you know, just like looking at something and then tr- and then also going behind their back and working with other tea farmers negotiating price. It's not my style. And, and so even though it cost me some inconvenience and then I I was able to in the end quickly find another tea farmer in the area and still be able to find amazing poor teas and source just from other farmers however I like I said many times
times I felt I felt really sorry for them. I felt really sorry. I felt like this is injustice. This is this is not an ethical practice on them. And and so if there's anything you know that could be done about this, I I would have done it. Also, I um, after my life, I've been contacted by you know a few of my other tea vendor friends. We actually had an idea of group buy from these farmers in order to match John's number. However, I think because of what happened, it was very shocking, and there was a period that my mind was very messy. So I left out a very important information from the farmer that was given to me before, which was that this company's buying amount was,、uh, even though it was matchable last year, their verbal agreement is that from this year and and forward they will be buying a different amount, which is even bigger. We don't know. However, of course, we don't know for sure if they will fulfill the promise. Neither do the farm. That's not okay. <laughs> That's not okay. <laughs> right, exactly, and and so that's why I told the farmer that if John is not going to fulfill his promise, whether this year or next year, you know, keep me in the loop. I would love to. Me and a few other tea vendors would love to buy from you guys, like a group buy together, and to either match his number or potentially even exceed his number. Will be it will be our honor, and it will be a great pleasure to work with them for sure. Another thing that actually really made Me laugh was that as soon as John found out that I was in the area, I was there sourcing teas and looking into the poor teas, especially with this with this family or simply doesn't matter if it's with this family or just simply being in the region. He got really nervous and he changed his plan of coming to you know going to Wawi Village in May to April <laughs> because I don't know why. He just this is what the wife told me. She said he seemed he also seemed. Quite anxious about you know me being in the region and promoting this region, promoting poorities from this region,、right. even though my company is so much smaller compared to his, which is something that further just you know further yeah. It sounds like he's got an idea that maybe this is like a specialty, this is like a secret place that they've discovered and they don't want、mm-hmm. anyone else to know about it. So then they've they've got it all to themselves, which isn't how things、mm-hmm. work. <laughs> It's not. That's again not okay because it sounds like the main people suffering here are the farmers. Like a verbal agreement is not enough to base your entire business upon. If there's a chance that this company could back out and then they're financially in trouble because now they haven't got anyone to buy the tea. I mean, fortunately, it sounds like they've got a really good relationship with you now, so that's great. But in doing this, it seems like they are going to have less opportunities to form relationships with tea vendors and thus lose some of their opportunity to sell should this fire fall to the wayside. Which it's just very—it just sounds very, very stressful for them, and necessarily so. For sure, for sure. And and you made a good observation earlier as well. You said that maybe this place is just particularly secretive, or maybe a place that they highly value as as a company, and they would like to keep that source to themselves. And I can totally—I mean, that was my speculation as well, which was why I thought I was an isolated case, and which is also why after life when other Tea vendors or individuals contacted me and shared with me about their experience with this exact same company. Then I understood that this 
regions actually their common practice in multiple regions, in multiple places in the world with different farmers, and in terms of keeping themselves like isolated, keeping the farmers, keeping the teas from these farmers exclusive, and and, and not giving other tea vendors a chance to getting or work with those farmers. As a tea vendor myself, in the way I understand other vendors' desire of keeping certain sources secretive, because as romantic as it sounds or seems, you know, for going out there every year in the tea mountains, making beautiful videos and taking nice pictures and drinking teas with farmers or like dining with them, it certainly is romantic and it certainly has something very beautiful to it. However, I have to say it's it's hard work. It, it really is hard work. Yes, and also because I have actually talked about this with my other tea vendor friends who are men rather than a woman. And so I my question was, why do you think that there's so many more tea businesses that are owned by males rather than females? And one of my tea vendor friends' answer was, well, I'm just doing a direct quote. He said, I think as a male here, it's much easier for us to go out there in tea mountains in these remote regions and work with farmers without worrying too much about our personal safety, for example. So in a way, for us, for women, I tend to think it's particularly a little more difficult. And so I understand that if some vendors would like to keep their sources um, secretive. However, in this case, I think the very unfair thing is that I actually found these farmers myself. It wasn't like I tracked this particular like John's companies down and somehow I discovered their secret. And so mm. I'm going behind them, right? I'm pulling their leg. <laughs> yeah, it's not. That's it. That's like the shocking thing about it is, yeah, you're not some kind of Sherlock Holmes of tea who's going all like, you know, the evil Sherlock who goes around sneaking, trying to get everyone's sources and undercutting. It's not. It's just this is how things work. Someone goes, this is amazing. I know you sell this sort of stuff. Would you like to try it? And then it gets passed on. It seems a bit ridiculous in some ways that it could get to that kind of point. Thank you, Rainy, for for explaining that. I think it's so important to hear because obviously, you know, it would be it'd be naive to think that everything was sunshine and rainbows along every process. And I think tea is such a wonderful thing in so many different ways. People get a lot of pleasure from it. They get a lot of health things from it, like be it mental health, all sorts of stuff like that. There's a lot of connections people are making now, you know, with the mm-hmm. internet and everything people are making online. And there is so much positivity with it. But also, I think we need to be aware of some of the things that aren't quite right along with this process. I think the next thing really from this that's quite difficult is figuring out a way of making sure you are buying ethically. Maybe there are ways. And like I say, I'm on a tea adventure. I'm, I'm very much a novice with all this sort of stuff. So I'm learning as I go. If I, I know what to do if I want to buy ethical chocolate. <laughs> I know what to do if I want to buy ethical coffee. Like there are little stamps and things that you can find that kind of help guide you in the way. And um, I'm not expecting you to have all the answers, Rainy, but is there anything you can suggest if someone's listening to this and they think, right, I would like to try some different teas from what I normally buy. How can I make sure that the teas that I'm going to buy are maybe more ethically sourced than not? <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's a really important question to ask, right? Like we, we all need to ask ourselves that question because even though I'm a tea vendor myself, but from time to time, I also buy teas from other companies. Or if a customer asks me about a tea that I personally don't carry, I refer them to another company. So that's a really important question that we all need to ask ourselves, certainly. I don't, unfortunately, I don't really have the answer for you. Mm. Also because 
is I think direct trade or let's say fair trade, right, is something that we have talked a lot with coffee and also with chocolate maybe because exploitation with coffee industry and cocoa beans is something that we have seen for many many years versus exploitation in tea is something that we have heard about like from time to time but not often enough for us to be constantly aware of even with the story here what happened to me personally i was i was quite shocked myself knowing that not just witnessing but personally experiencing this whole thing right like being the first hand witness in a way i was quite shocked i'm i'm also definitely surprised that we don't talk about this enough because from my other tea vendor friends like i mentioned earlier they have also share their experiences or like stories that they have heard of and they have told me that this is actually not something new mm. gatekeeping so we, we refer it as gatekeeping right like gatekeeping is a quite a common practice in uh, tea industry also because for a lot of other tea vendors they are they're concerned that if they come out and talk about it they will be seen as they are jealous of their competitors and they're trying to sabotage their competitors by telling the truth <laughs> so for me is you're telling the truth here why are you hiding some or why are you worried that people are going to view you differently however i think some things that we can do even though it's not the official way of doing or looking for maybe like a stamp on t- on, on, on paper or some kind of official paperwork is that we can i would say buying from your local tea vendors or buying from small business is more likely for you to to buy ethically because small tea vendors are less likely to gatekeep or less likely to directly intervene or stop tea farmers from selling to other people or make this kind of uh, verbal agreement yeah and and another thing is I really would like to kind of just give a shout out to other tea vendors sort of like a call to action if you are also a tea vendor and if you experience something similar like this you know you need to come out and talk about it Mm. and make more people be aware of this kind of uh, issue because if we don't then nobody knows and everybody just thinks it's all unicorns out there it's all just sunshine and rainbow there's no there's no problem right and i really hope that i won't be the only one here talking about it and just stop right here yeah and but unfortunately i don't really have a good answer to how people can make better ethical mm. uh, buying ways because just like john's company if you go on their website you're gonna find sunshine pictures and uh, unicorns flying across the website yeah. and so uh, i I have to say, I love their marketing work. I, I really, I love it. <laughs> it. Like you say, it's very hard to know what's real and what's not with things out there. It's interesting. I had a, another company on, I interviewed a couple of podcasts ago called Nella Nella, and they're bringing Georgian tea to the market. They, they make tea out of fermented mulberry leaves and blackberry leaves, which is incredible. And they were saying something similar. They were saying, you know, they brought up that there's a lot of bad tea practices out there and that coffee's had its time 
time chocolate's had its time where we're becoming more aware of it and it's not quite happening with tea but perhaps we're on the precipice now like you say it's not something new it's not like suddenly everyone woke up and went oh my goodness I'm going to be unethical now it's 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 all a long-standing problem perhaps this is if people do what you say like they come forward and talk about it more it is just going to bring a bit more awareness to the issue and maybe make people like I myself certainly am thinking a lot more about this than I did a couple of months ago because it just wasn't on my radar however bad that is it just it just wasn't really in my thought process whereas now it is and like you say like I would feel a lot more comfortable buying from someone that is from a smaller business just because I can talk to them a bit more so maybe that is a short-term answer is that you can speak to a smaller business a bit more easily you can maybe question them about their practices and hope you know you can find out a bit more that way but I feel like I'm I'm forever an optimist training and I hope that maybe this is the start of a bit of positivity on, on that side of things maybe things can improve if we all yeah are a bit open and honest about it so thank you so much for your honesty and for sharing that with me on my little podcast <laughs> because I really do appreciate it I am gonna I'm gonna yes, wrap things up there oh I think this you know this is going to be a slightly longer episode than normal but it's been such a pleasure talking to you thank you for all your your knowledge I'm gonna be looking into pura teas now and tea trees I'm very <laughs> excited so there's lots of me to look into awesome um, yeah thank you so much Rainy what is the name do you mind sharing the name of your tea company if people would like to check out the teas that you sell yeah for sure so my company's name is Serene Tea and you can find my company's Instagram profile by searching for Serene Tea Cha like C-H-A like the Chinese word for tea yeah and then you will pop up yes lovely <laughs> listeners I'll put some links in the description if you want to have a look I would recommend looking at Rainy's Instagram as well because like I said I keep watching your stories now and it is just oh, yeah very, it is very romantic the little snapshots I'm sure there's a lot of like tiredness and <laughs> and like hard work behind it but the little glimpses that you give and I, they're very lovely to to see so yeah thank you Rainy thank you everyone for listening yes and we'll yeah we'll have a bit more chat after this after I wrap things up here so thanks for listening guys we'll be back in a fortnight with another pot of tea episode toodaloo TTFN <laughs> If you've made it past the outro, does anyone ever listen to the end of the outro? If you do, let me know. I hope you liked that episode. I had so much food for thought, and also I don't think I've stopped thinking about the idea of a tea forest since I had that interview with Rainy. So that was awesome. Like I said, I'll be back not in a fortnight. I did a little fib at the end of this episode, but I did record this a few weeks ago. So I'll be back in hopefully a couple of months with a new series of a pod of tea and in the meantime like I said if you want to keep up to date with my day-to-day goings on with the cups of tea do follow me over at instagram on at pod of tea I am looking forward to doing a bit of research now as well I want to learn more about matcha and I want to learn more about gong fu cha so here we go (laughs) join me my friends on this wonderful wonderful rabbit hole of tea have a lovely first part of the summer and for the next couple of months to tfn